lived a man and a woman in a town called Shinnam. They made a home for Elisha and found favor in his eyes. So God sent them a miracle, the only thing they longed for. Within the year they would hold a son as Elisha prophesied. One day they ran from the field, brought the child to his mother. She held his head there on her knee until he died at noon that day. She didn't tell anyone. She ran straight to the man of God. And if anybody asked her, she replied while on her way, it is well. She stood by the bedside where she lay the boy when he died. He prayed a prayer upon him and he breathed new life again. Friend, God doesn't ever change. If you'll have that woman's faith, he'll send you a miracle. And until then, you can say it is well.
Good morning. Wasn't that a beautiful song? She's a beautiful girl with a beautiful voice, with a beautiful message, and it ties together with the message from God's Word. It should never amaze us because the same Holy Spirit works in our lives and does so many great things for us, and we are so thankful for that, aren't we? Praise God for that. Shall we just open in a word of prayer this morning? Father, we just want to thank you today for this beautiful song that Taylor sang. We thank you that we can say it as well, Lord, in your presence. We thank you that we can say it's well in our lives. We can say with the hymn writer, it is well with my soul. Because we thank you that you have our lives under control, Lord. Nothing takes you by surprise. There's nothing that comes ahead of us that you don't already know about. And you already have it planned for us. And we're so thankful that when we have losses and when we have crosses and we have things that happen to us that are painful and difficult, you're right there with us, Lord. So we pray now that you will take your word and apply it to our hearts like the balm of Gilead today. And we pray that we'll be encouraged to go forth in this new year and be a blessing for you and to see you work in our lives as a church and as individuals. And we just pray that you'll hide me behind the cross today, Lord, and speak to us and that we can see Jesus. We pray in his precious name. Amen. You know, in life... We all live with expectations. And the higher the expectation sometimes, the the more disappointed we can get in life. Because if you you set your expectation really high and something doesn't happen, or something doesn't work out the way we hoped it would, or something bad happens in our eyes we think is bad, we think it didn't meet my expectations. Sometimes we're even afraid to set our expectations too high because... We might get hurt. We might get disappointed. But when we have our expectation in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can never have too high an expectation. Because an expectation in Jesus, he's with us. He's going to carry us through this year. He's going to take us all the way to heaven. And we can be blessed and encouraged by what the Lord does for us. And as Christians, I think we need to set the bar high. We need to believe that God will do great things in our lives. He will come through for us, and we will do that. I always like to say, if you set your bar high and you say, I'm going to strive for perfection, then we'll achieve excellence. And God wants to do great things in our lives. I like the word expectation in the dictionary definition. Webster's New World Dictionary says it's defined as a looking forward to, an anticipation a looking for due, proper, or necessary things, a thing looked for, a reason or warrant for looking forward to something, prospect for the future as of advancement or prosperity, the degree of probability of the occurrence, duration, etc., of something. If you have expectation, you have hope. And in the New Testament, the word hope is really defined as confident expectation. And as Christians, we are confident in our God. We have faith in Him. We may not have confidence in ourselves, in our circumstances, and things that are happening, but we look beyond it to the God who holds us in His hand and is going to care for us each and every day of our lives. But there are expectations everywhere. I think it's kind of amusing sometimes when you have expectations in business, for example. And you have a company that reports its earnings at the end of each year, right, Brad? They have their earnings, they report it, 
And if their earnings doesn't meet Wall Street's expectations, even though the stock, even though the company is doing well and healthy and growing and, and everything, stock will go down because it didn't meet expectations. Or for example, in sports, there's a lot of expectations. Teams and players and coaches, they start off the year thinking, hey, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And they get about midway through the season and say, we're not going to win the Super Bowl. We're not even going to make the playoffs. And just recently, the 49ers hired Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Stanford, to coach the, the 49ers. And we're excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think it's great. But hey, talk about expectations. We're expecting nothing less than a Super Bowl championship, Mr. Harbaugh. Expectations are very high. They're high in the, in the world of entertainment. People are actors and actresses. They all expect to win the Oscar. Some will, and many won't. So there's expectations everywhere, everywhere. But the title of our message today is, for us as believers this year, 2011, wait in expectation. Expect God to do great things, and he will do them for us. You listen to the radio, you turn on the television, people are making forecasts, they're making predictions and prognostications of what's going to happen this year. Guess what, folks? Nobody knows, do they? They're making educated guesses. The only person who knows what's going to happen to me and to you tomorrow and the next day and through this year is our great God, our Lord Jesus Christ. He knows. He knows what we're going to go through. And I'm thankful he doesn't tell us too soon because I think we'd get afraid, wouldn't we? Oh, I'm going to have to face surgery this year. I'm going to lose my job this year. I'm going to, I'm going to be in the hospital this year. I'm going to lose money this year, or whatever it is, it would scare us. So God gives us the grace to live one day at a time. Here we are at the ninth day of the new year, live one day at a time, and he's going to take us all the way through. And pretty soon we'll be at 31st of January, and we'll be saying, thank you, Lord, you took me through another year. Amen. God is good. His grace is sufficient for us in all things. The psalmist said in Psalm 126 and verse 3, a verse that's appropriate to all of our lives, it says, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. We can look back and we see that God has done great things. We can look forward and say God will do great things in our lives this year. But we need to expect it. We need to put our expectation and our hope and our confidence in him because he never fails us. If you turn over to Psalm 5 and verse 3, our text today, I'm, I'm deviating a little bit. Normally, every verse I use, every passage I study, everything is New King James Version. And I love the New King James Version. But I got a calendar in the mail, and I put it up in my office for January. And it wasn't January yet, so I had the December one put in front of it. And as soon as December was over, I put it up. And I looked at it, and it had this verse on it. And, I, and I've been meditating on it ever since. I've been thinking about it. It's been affecting me. And it's such a great verse, and it's in the NIV version, and you're going to see it up here. And our text today is Psalm 5 and verse 3 that says this, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Now, we believe in prayer, don't we? We believe in getting down on our knees and praying and asking God. The question is, down deep in our hearts, do we really believe that God is going to answer that prayer? Sometimes we say we do, intellectually we believe it, but we have to act on it. And that's why I think it's always a good thing when we pray to say, thank you, Lord, in advance for answering my prayer. 
because every time we pray, God is going to answer it. It may not be the exact way I pray for it. He may say no to this. He may say yes to this. He may say wait to this, which is even harder. But God wants us to expect him to do things in our lives, to work in our lives. And today we're going to look at three things. Number one, we expect God to listen. Number two, we expect God to answer. And number three, we expect God to provide. And if we remember these three things this year, it will be so encouraging, so uplifting, expecting God. The first point we'll look at today is expect God to listen. Now, this blows me away. When I think about how I'm a puny, finite man, so a sinful man, saved by the grace of God, how would the great God of heaven listen to me? But he does. He not only listens to us, but he cares about us. And he cares about our needs. He cares about what we're going through. And he loves us so much. And God always is in tune with what he's doing. And so we can have confidence. That's why David says, in the morning, O Lord, I, you hear my voice. This psalm is called the morning psalm because it starts, David starts it off in the morning. And I love to pray in the evening. It's a blessing. And I love to pray all during the day. It's a great blessing. But somehow, starting the day off with prayer, there's nothing better than that. It starts the whole day going in the right direction. Because as soon as you walk out that door, you're going to hear the news of the day. You're going to have the stress of business and the stress of school. And all these things are going to happen to you, right? But you start with prayer and you've got the foundation to get through the day. You have that good foundation. And what a blessing it is. And David had a close and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He did. So whether he was in the wilderness or he was in the palace, it didn't matter. He communed with the Lord in the morning. He started his day off in the right way. And he believed that his prayers did not stop at the ceiling. It didn't stop at the, at the sky at night. It went all the way up to the throne room of God in the, in the heavens. That's the amazing thing. Our little prayers, our finite prayers, can ascend up to heaven. And of course, it tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 26, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He takes your prayer, Vicki, as simple as it might be, and he presents it in such a beautiful way that it's presented to the Father in a perfect way, in a powerful way. And our prayers can have an effect on our lives and have an effect on other people's lives if we get down and pray, and God will do great things in our lives. David knew this. He could call God at any time and not get his answering machine. I like that. David could call the Lord any time, day or night, and not get his answering machine. I don't know about you, but I don't like all the voicemails sometimes and answering machines. You want to talk to somebody right away. You want to talk to them, and then you get the answering machine. You get the voicemail. Some people call it voicemail jail because you get into it, and then some of these calls, you have to push this button. If you want to talk to Adel, plus one. If you'd like to talk to Sylvia, plus two. Guess what? It doesn't happen like that with them. They get the calls, and they'll call, talk to you, and if they do get a message, they'll call you. Some people never return messages, but they do, and they care for us, and God cares for us, and his line of communication is open 24-7. What a blessing it is, and we'll never be disappointed to not be able to talk to our Lord. 
You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was God the Son, and he came down to this world. Think about it. He got up every morning early while it was still dark and went out and communed with the Father. He prayed to the Father. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his upcoming ministry. He prayed for his teaching. He prayed for all the people that he was encountering, and he prayed for that moment that he would go to the cross. And the Lord Jesus, if he needed to get up early and pray, how about us? Don't we need to pray more? I think when we get to heaven, that will be the greatest regret that all of us will have. I know it will be for me. I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray enough. Because we get busy, we get distracted, we do this, we do that. If we prayed more, our lives would be filled with more power, more encouragement, and more joy. We need to pray. It is a blessing. And God hears our prayers and he listens to us. Now, we may never have an audience with Queen Elizabeth. We may never be able to talk to President Obama personally. We may never have a conversation with the famous rich people and, and of this world. But we have a hotline to heaven. And we have a hotline to heaven all the time. And we can talk to our Lord. And we can give him all the glory. Have you made an appointment with the Lord to spend time with him? That's the key. And one thing about the appointment you make with the Lord, He will be there. So many times, we make appointments to be with the Lord, and it's us that doesn't show up. Like that little book, My Heart Cries Home. This man spent time with Jesus every day, faithfully every day, and all of a sudden he got busy. Work was starting earlier and earlier, and he ran out the door, and he looked over, and he saw in the chair, he saw Jesus sitting there with an open Bible. And he said, oh, my Lord, have you been there every day like that? Yes, I've been waiting for you. He waits for us. He loves us. He wants to talk with us, and he wants us to talk with him. And there is a blessing in that. And we should expect God to listen to us. We're just one voice. We're just one person. You hear it sometimes in um, people on TV, they're being interviewed, and they say, well, I'm just, I'm just one voice. I'm just one person. What can I do? Well, one person can add to many, and they can become a, a mighty force. But with God, he loves us one-on-one. -on -one. And while Matt's praying, I'm praying. And while I'm praying, Mike's praying. And while Mike's praying, Barbara's praying. We can all be praying at the same time, and God hears every single request. And he takes it personally. He cares. He listens. He understands. That's amazing. The Bible says in Psalm 139, 2, this beautiful thought. He says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand me, though from afar. God may be way up in heaven, and we don't know exactly where that is, but it's up. It's up. And he's there, and he's listening to us. We can have confidence in that. We can be blessed. There's only one thing that will thwart our communication with the Father and with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's unconfessed sin. That's why the psalmist puts it very well in Psalm 66 and verse 18. He tells us this is the thing that clogs up the lines of communication. It clogs up. It says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But if we have no unconfessed sin, we get down on our knees to pray, we have a pipeline. That's why people might come up to you at work and say, hey, Janie, can you pray for me? I know you're a praying person. I know you're a Christian. Will you pray for my child? Will you pray for my wife? People come to us and ask for prayer because they know we have a line of communication with the Lord. The Bible teaches us that God will not hear the prayers of the unsaved. 
The only prayer that he hears of a person who's unsaved, as we know, is the prayer of salvation. And once they accept Christ, once you accept him into your heart, then he hears every prayer that you make, every word, even the unspoken ones, even the ones that we can't get the words out because we're going through so much. He hears those as well. So expect God to hear us. Expect God to listen to us this year. Number two, expect God to answer. David expected when he asked the Lord that the Lord was going to answer his prayers. He says here in this verse, in the morning, I lay my request before you. And David felt, and we should feel this way too, that you can never ask the Lord for too much. Sometimes a child comes to the parent and they say, I want this for Christmas. Oh, you're asking for a lot. That Xbox 360 is very expensive. You know, that you're asking for a lot. Or the latest gadget, the latest toy, or I got to have this iPhone. You know, I want this iPhone 4 now. 3 is not good enough. I got to have iPhone 4, right? And so sometimes we can feel like we're really asking for too much for some time. But when you ask God for something, you can never say it's too much. He never will say that to you. In fact, it's the opposite. He said, Vicki, why didn't you ask more? You know, it's amazing. If we ask God for much, he will give us much. But if we ask him for little, what will he give us? He'll give us little. He wants us to ask for much. That's why I'm really thankful for the job that the Lord is going to provide for me because Haley is praying for me. <laughs> Adel and Sylvia's granddaughter, Randy and Natalie's uh, daughter. And she is growing up and she is so smart. In fact, she took my cell phone yesterday and she had it. She switched my uh, readings on my weather app from Fahrenheit to centigrade. I go, whoa, she knows the cell phone better than I do. I said, how do you turn this thing back? To the way. <laughs> it is so funny how kids know these things so well. But anyway, she told her mom, that, and she calls me Dino because that's a nickname Natalie has for me, and some people call me. She says, I'm praying for Dino that he's going to get a big job. And I said, <laughs> I said, thank you, Lord. This little one is praying that I'm going to get not just a job, but she says I'm going to get a big job. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm expecting that because God hears the prayers of the little ones. He hears the prayers of all of us as his children. He's going to give us things that are big if we ask him because we can never ask him for too much. David brought his request and he laid them before the Lord. And there's a beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 that I love so much. It says, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I thought, what a verse for me. I'm in a time of need and I'm asking you, Lord, I'm coming to you for your mercy. I'm coming to you for your grace. I'm coming to you for your help, Lord. And he never turns us away. Never turns us away. Yes, he knows what we need even before we ask it. I love that verse in scripture that says, before you call, I will answer. And while you are yet speaking, I will hear. It's beautiful. And the Lord Jesus gave a carte blanche promise for us as Christians in Luke chapter 11 and verses 9 and 10. He gave it to us very clear. He said, so I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, the door shall be opened. 
Yes, we can ask. And if we ask according to God's will, he will answer according to God's will. That's why if I ask something and the Lord says no to it, which he did recently to me, said no to it, who am I to say, Lord, you don't know what you're doing on this one, Lord. This was supposed to be a yes. We can't say that. Because in the scheme of things, in the eternal scheme of things, in the big picture, in the long term, he knows what's best for us. He knows. And so if he closes the door, he's got a window open somewhere else. He's going to lead us and guide us. And we've all been through that. And this year, I'm sure we're going to as well. Because we bring our requests to the Lord. In 1 John 3.22, it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We all have needs. We all have burdens. We all have problems. And when we come to the Lord and we lay them before him, he will take that burden. That's why he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. So it's a blessing. And I think about this subject and I think of Hannah. And sometimes Adel speaks on Hannah when he's doing the dedications and, and the Mother's Day and so forth. And Hannah was a great lady. And she had only one problem. Everything in her life was absolutely perfect, great. She had a husband. She had everything, good home, good protection, everything. But she was missing one thing. And that one thing overrode and overshadowed all the others. She didn't have a child. She didn't have a son. And she prayed about it every day and every day and every day. And she says, Lord, I'm getting older. I want to have a child. I want to have a son. And she prayed about it. Well, finally, one day she says, I'm going to the source. I'm going to the source. We're going to be at the, we're going to be at the tabernacle. And Eli the priest is there. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray there. Because maybe my prayers will be even stronger when I go right there. But you know, we, we can pray anywhere. You can be in your car. You can be at home. You can be at church. Anywhere. And God hears your prayers. You don't have to be in a specific place. But she went there. And she prayed. And she had to overcome obstacles. First she overcame the obstacle of her husband who didn't understand. Hannah, don't you know I love you more than ten sons? but he didn't understand the depth of agony she was going through. And then he, she had to overcome the fact that her rival, this other wife, the other wife, Penina, was taunting her and mocking her every day. Oh, I've got so many wonderful children. Oh, you don't, do you? And oh, isn't she beautiful? And you don't have one, do you? Every day, not one day or two days or a week. She did this to Hannah every single day. And Hannah was just so frustrated, so discouraged. But she took it to the Lord in prayer. And then Eli was there and he sees her praying. Her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. She says, oh, you drunk woman, put your wine away from you. He thought she was drunk, so he had, she had overcome those obstacles. But she did it. She asked the Lord, and Eli even said to her, Go your way, and God will give you your request. And sure enough, she went home, she got pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, Samuel. And what a great son she was. And so she made a promise, Lord, if you answer my prayers and do this for me, I'll give him back to you, Lord. And then when the time came, she did it. That's the amazing thing. She says, God answered my prayer. And probably that other woman said, Penina, you're crazy. 
You have a son. You've been waiting for this son all the time. You are really crazy. What do you mean you're going to take him back to the, to the priest and he's going to live there? No, no, no. Didn't work that way in the eyes of the world. They thought she was crazy, but she gave him to the Lord. And what did the Lord do for her? He gave her more sons and more daughters and blessed her life so much because she honored him. And when we honor God in prayer and put him first and ask great things for him, from him, he will do it for us. But we have to have great expectations of what God's going to do. A man named Richard Seno, the Archbishop of Trench, said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his highest willingness. Because God is willing to answer our prayer. He wants to answer them. He wants us to pray in faith and believe. John Wallace said, Prayer moves the hand which moves the world. Isn't that amazing? A simple person praying on their knees is moving things. God is moving on that prayer, and it's such a blessing. And we should be willing to say with the man of God who said, God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And if that's our heart's desire for God's will, he'll do it for us. The scripture says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. One day I spoke on this verse, and we were back at the uh, Ryan Industrial Building. And Steve Randall was going off to go to, uh, down to Yosemite. And there were all the young people going down to Yosemite. And Steve had been praying that the Lord would send him a wife for a long time. And he had been praying, and he got discouraged and down. But he came to the point where he heard in this verse, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He surrendered it to the Lord. Well... <laughs> to make a long story short, Steve Randall went down there. He met Jennifer. They got married. They had Timothy. They had uh, Nathan. And we know their story. And it's beautiful because when we have a desire to please God, to obey God, to do his will, he will give us the desires of our heart. He knows the deepest longings that we have. And he will do it for us if we just trust in him. The Lord knows our hearts. And he delights to delight us. I love that. He delights to delight us. You know, sometimes when you want to give somebody a, a, a nice party, right, you want to make it a surprise party. And some of the greatest parties I've had have been totally a surprise, and you have no idea. And all of a sudden, you walk into this big group of people, and they go, surprise! And your heart just, you know, takes a skips a beat because you say, wow, I never knew. I thought we were going to have a little couple of people here for dinner or whatever, and this whole big group is there to celebrate. What a blessing, and God likes to do that even more. He likes to surprise us. He said, I'm going to surprise Dean. I'm going to give him something that he never even thought about, even prayed about. I'm going to give him something so good, and he does that for all of us because he knows what you need, Iris. He knows what you need, uh, Dave. He knows what you need, Caitlin. He loves us so much. And he wants to delight us. He wants to surprise us. And he wants to go ex and do exceeding abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. So God says, expect me to listen. He says, expect me to answer. And then expect me to provide for you. David says, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. David was waiting. It's like a little child. And when you say that, that grandpa's going to come and pick you up, and he's going to be here pretty soon. That little child is waiting out there. Little Haley, for example, she waits for Papa. She calls Adel Papa. 
Papa's coming over. Papa's coming over. Where is he? He's coming. The other day, we got a, a, cell, a text message from her. And Natalie sent it because we were running a little late yesterday. And she sent this message to come over. So we went over and we saw, saw her and it was a blessing. So thank God. We should be like little kids. We should have that enthusiasm. We should have that expectation that God is really going to do it. And he is. He is going to provide for us. We need to expect it. But sometimes it's hard to wait. It really is. If you want something, when do you want it? Now. Not two days from now, not in a week, not in a month. But God knows if he was to send something to you now, you're not ready. Or the thing you're waiting for is not prepared yet. You have to wait. You have to wait. Waiting is hard. I am the first one to say I don't have an easy time with that at all. But if God gave us everything we ask for, when we ask for it, I think we'd become like spoiled children. We would think we deserve it. We would think God just should give us everything. And he doesn't want us to be that way. He wants to, uh, us to really appreciate it, really be thankful for it. And that's why he allows us to wait, because it tests our faith. It stretches us. It allows us to develop our faith muscles, and he is wanting to do that. So we have the choice, though. We can wait for God's best, or we can take something secondary. We can take what we think is good. We can do it on our own. We see that in scripture, what happened to Abraham and Sarah. God had promised you're going to have a son, and I'm going to send him to you. And pretty soon it didn't come right away, so they're thinking, well, Sarah said, you know, we've got Hagar here. She's, our, she's my maid. Here, Abraham, you take Hagar as your wife, and she'll, she'll bear a son. And just think of the mess that has been caused. Even today in the Middle East, the conflict between Arab and Israeli goes back to Ishmael and Isaac. We're still paying the price, and I mean we as, as the people of the world, are still paying the price for Abraham's going out and doing it on his own. It was Sarah's idea, yes, but he went along with it, and he did not uh, go for God's will at that point. And then finally when the Lord came to him and said, I'm going to send you Isaac, and he's going to be born, and he's going to come. Abraham fell down and laughed, and he said, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. In other words, Lord, there's no way. I'm 100 years old, and Sarah's 90. I mean, it's not physically possible. I learned in, in, in uh, studying these things that the human body just doesn't work. That no. God answers prayer, and he's not restricted by gravity, he's not restricted by the human laws of nature or anything like this, because God is God, and we have to let God be God and provide for us what he wants to do. And you know, God's timetable is not our timetable. It's like it says in his word, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. How can I think that I know better than the Lord. No, I don't. And that's why in Psalm 40, in verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, or he heard me. And so when we wait patiently on, on the Lord, he provides for us. One of my favorite verses in the scripture is Isaiah 40, in verse 31, that says, But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So here's the question. Are we willing to wait? Are you willing to wait a little while, a little while longer, a little while longer, 
a little while longer until God says it's time. I've got some great examples here, I think, from the laws of nature. Okay, you want a diamond, right? And we were talking the other day, Jim uh, Welsh is in the diamond business. And we were talking about how coal can become a diamond. And I was reading about it in the computer yesterday, and it was fascinating. It says it's almost impossible in our lifetime because it takes millions of years for that coal underneath the earth and the process it goes through to become a diamond. That is an example of waiting. And that is an example of a long time. That's a long time to wait for that. How about the pearl inside the oyster? Oh, that oyster looks good, right? I want to eat that oyster. But if you wait and there's a little irritation that comes inside the oyster that causes that pearl to form, and then you wait, you get the pearl, that beautiful pearl, and you get the oyster to eat as well, see? You get, you get a blessing. But if you just want to get that oyster by itself and not wait, you miss out on the pearl. And God has pearls for us, but we have to be willing to wait for him. How about the butterfly? The butterfly, you have to wait for the butterfly. It has to go through that whole process of metamorphosis. It's that, that uh, caterpillar crawling along, and then it's inside the cocoon, and then it comes out and becomes this beautiful butterfly. Doesn't happen right away, takes time. There was one man who was looking at this cocoon and he was looking at this little creature inside and it was struggling to get out and it was trying. And this, He says, oh, I feel so bad for this little creature. And so he took a pair of scissors and he cut the cocoon, thinking, oh, I'm going to help this little creature. I'm going to help it get out. And the little creature died because he didn't wait. He didn't allow the natural process. And so many times I think I'm like that. I act too soon. I run ahead of the Lord instead of waiting patiently for him to provide the greatest blessing. And when we, when we do wait and he does give us the best, we rejoice. So beautiful. Silk. You go into a buy this beautiful silk blouse or a man might buy a nice silk suit or something like that. Where does it come from? You ask somebody, where does, the, where does the silk come from? It must come from the store, right? No, it comes from the silkworm. And they take these silkworms, and these little silkworms are working, and they're producing all these things. And then in about a year, they, they, give, they hatch these eggs, and that's how they get the silk, and they make it into these beautiful clothes. And it takes all this time to produce it. Now, if you're not in a hurry, I mean, if you're in a hurry, you're not going to wait for that. But these are lessons that God teaches us, even from nature, that if we wait and trust him and expect him to provide and expect him to answer, he'll do it for us. And the longer the wait, the greater the blessing. Yes, the longer the wait, the greater the blessing. We may not think so at the time. Lord, it's a long time. But when the blessing comes, you rejoice in what God has given Vance Havner once said, he who waits on God loses no time. We don't lose time by waiting. We may think, if I get this job right now today, this is great. But God says, okay, you can have this, but this will be your job, not my job. But if you wait for my job, it'll come in a little longer, but it'll be the best for you. God knows. God knows. And I rejoice in that. F.B. Meyer said, we miss many answers because we get tired of waiting for our ships to return. <laughs> you know, you hear that expression, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. Well, that ship may not come, but when it's coming from God, it will come. And he will send us whatever 
we ask for according to his will. This lady, Eileen Gruber, made a wonderful statement. She said, to be impatient with God, chronically, habitually impatient with him, because things are not to our liking, makes the Christian life a dreadful burden. That's so true. I don't like it, Lord. I don't like your answer. I don't like the... We should say, Lord, help me to like it. Help me to appreciate it. Help me to love it. Because when it's God's will, it will be the best for us. And we will be so blessed. Now, I talked about the diamond. Takes a long time. I talked about the pearl. Takes a long time. I talked about the butterfly. Takes a long time. The silk becoming silk from the silkworm. But I found one that's really amazing here, and I think Lynn will appreciate that. Is Lynn, there she is, right there. You're going to like this one. Okay. The Chinese people are known for their patience. A great example is the growing of the bamboo tree. The Chinese plant the seed, they water and fertilize it, but the first year, nothing happens. Okay, nothing happens the first year. The second year, they water it and fertilize it, and still nothing happens. Hmm, nothing happens after second, third year. Hmm, okay. Third and fourth year comes, and they water and fertilize it, and nothing happens. Okay, get this picture. First year, nothing happens. I can understand that. You start a business, you don't make money the first year, right? You have to wait. But second year comes, third year comes, fourth year comes, no bamboo. I got impatient when I planted some corn at my great uncle's house one time and the frost came in 1976 and killed that corn. I still remember it. My first attempt at horticulture and growing something died with that corn. I said, that's it. I give up. I'll go to the store and buy the corn, right? <clears throat> then the fifth year comes. And something happens during the course of the fifth year. In a period of approximately six weeks, the bamboo grows to 90 feet. 90 feet! So the, uh, the, the writer here, the author says this, he asks the question. He says, the question is this, did it grow 90 feet in six weeks or did it grow 90 feet in five years? And the obvious question is that it grew 90 feet in five years. Because it wouldn't have grown the 90 feet in the six weeks if they hadn't done all the preparation of the first five years. Water it. Fertilize it. Work with it. You don't see any results first year, second year, third year, fourth year, finally fifth year. And who knows what time. You might have to wait five and a half years. And sometime in the fifth year, all of a sudden during this six-week cycle, it just sprouts up. And I said, Lord... Give me the patience to wait like this bamboo tree. Because when God does something, he does it right. He does it good. And his way and his timing are awesome. They're the best for us if we just wait upon him. The promise given to us by the Apostle Paul that he gave to the Philippians said this, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. I love that little word, all. He doesn't say, I will provide all your wants according to his riches and glory. He doesn't say, I'm going to provide all the things you ever dreamed of having. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm going to provide all the things that everybody thinks are the things to have. No, he says, I will provide you all things that you need. I will give you everything you need. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
So to conclude then this morning, let's remember, we're starting off this new year. Let's be expectant. Let's expect it. Let's wait in expectation. May take a little while. God's not in a hurry. We're in a hurry. He wants us to expect that when we pray to him and we talk to him, he's going to listen. He's going to hear us. He's going to feel with us and care for us. And then we need to expect God to answer. And we need to expect him to give big things. Like Haley said, I'm praying for a big job for you. We should pray because God gives big things. And we need to expect that God will provide for us as we wait upon him and we see that God is so faithful. And we need to expect him to provide, just like the story of the Chinese bamboo tree. God is working. God is working. It may seem like nothing's happening right now. Chinese bamboo tree, first, second, third, fourth year, nothing happened till the fifth year. God is working. I hope I get a job before five years, brothers and sisters, right? <laughs> Please, Lord, before five years. But if we have to wait, let's wait in expectation. Let's wait in patience. Let's wait in joy, knowing that it's coming. It's coming. And God is so good. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, remember, he will hear your prayer today. You can accept him into your life. You can say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I've been at con the control of my life all this, my whole life. And I've made a mess of it. I'm a sinner, Lord. I need you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Change my life. And he'll come in and he'll give you a new life. And then this year, 2011, will be the best year of your life. Because he is involved in your heart. Shall we just close in a word of prayer this morning? Father, we're so thankful for this subject today and pray that you'll help us to wait in expectation. We expect you to work, Lord. We expect you to answer. We expect you to listen and to come through for us. Help us to wait patiently, Lord, whether it takes a little while or a long while, and help us in the process of waiting to grow in our faith, to grow in our confidence in you, to trust in you, as the hymn writer said, simply trusting day by day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting in Jesus, that is all. Please dismiss us with your blessing, Lord. Help us to grow and help us to meditate on your word day and night. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.